Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We're at the uh, last of the Hawamim, the 46th surah of the Quran, Ahqaf, Hamim, Tanzilul Kitabi min Allah al Aziz al Hakim, the revelation of the book from Allah, the ultimate authority, the all wise. The, by the way, the word, uh, this, this ayah is exactly the same as the ayah in this place, in the surah before. Ayah 2 of this surah, ayah 2 of the previous surah are identical. مَا خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ We didn't create the skies and the earth for, and whatever lies in between both of them except with purpose. وَأَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى And for, until a given deadline. وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا عَمَّا أُنذِرُوا مُعْرِضُونَ And those who've disbelieved in regards to whatever warnings they have been given, they are oblivious. مُعْرِضُونَ They're ignoring them. قُلَ أَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا تَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Tell them. Have you taken a look what you're calling on besides Allah? Aruni, Mada Khalakumin al Ard. Show me what they created out of the earth. Amlahum Shirkun Fisamawat, or is it that they have a share in the skies? Bring me a book that was revealed before this one. Or Athara. Athara means Baqiya min al ilm. That which is left, traces of knowledge left from those who came before. In Kuntum Sadiqeen if in fact you're truthful. So the, the idol worshippers of Makkah are being told, on what basis do you have these other gods and these mythologies and these beliefs? Is there a revelation that you have from before? Can you bring it forward? Can you bring any historical documents? أَثَارَةٍ مِّنْ عِلْمٍ that, that you know, give claim, give validity to your false religion. وَمَنْ أَضَلُّ مِمَّنْ يَدْعُو مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Who could be more misled, misguided, than the one who calls to other than Allah? The one who will not be able to respond to him until the day of resurrection. By the way, he will respond. The false god will respond on the day of resurrection when he says, I didn't know anything. I don't know why you were worshipping me. And at this point, they are completely oblivious. They don't have no idea that calls are being made to them. They are, they are unaware of it. When people are gathered, they're going to be enemies to them. And they're going to be deniers of their worship. Now let me explain what this passage is talking about briefly. People worship idols, people worship individuals. So there are saints that are worshipped, some prophets are worshipped. Isa was worshipped. You know, some faction of the Jews worshipped Uzair. Not all of them, but some faction of them worshipped Uzair. There are people within the Muslim community that took shrines in the Muslim world too far and started making sajdata graves, like Abdul Qadir Jilani rahimahullah and others. Right? These are righteous people, but they never asked to be worshipped themselves. And but people ended up in their worship. So there are two kinds of entities that are worshipped, as we've talked about before. There are idols and ideas, but there are also actual people, individuals that are worshipped, and they don't even know. They've already passed on, they've already died, and their memory has been turned into something deformed, and instead of the worship of Allah, they've become the objects of worship. Now, on the day of resurrection, everybody's called out, everybody speaks up. And these same entities that were worshipped, now they rise, and the people who worship them, people who pray to them, are hoping that they're going to rise on judgment day as their savior. But they rise and say, we had no idea you were praying to us. We don't hear everything, we're not God. And, they, and when Allah asks these worshipped entities, when Allah asks Isa alayhi salam, did you tell people to take me as you know, God besides yourself? Take you as God besides myself? Did you tell people that you are my son, etc., etc.? And he says, no. If I said that, you would have known it. Allah says on that day, they will be raised as enemies to the very people that worship them.
those same people that worship these individuals, instead of worshiping Allah, will be raised as their own enemies. And they will completely deny. We had nothing to do with their worship. We had, we had, they'll completely deny and reject that they had anything to do with the worship that was being done of them. Another meaning of that is they'll be in shock. No, 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 they didn't worship us. Really? They worship me? Why? How dumb could they be? Why would they do such a thing? I called people to worship you and they ended up worshiping me? They can't even, like, it's too shocking for them. وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا بَيِّنَاتٍ And whenever our miraculous signs are read onto them, that are clear and self-evident, قَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لِلْحَقِّ those, those, the, those who've disbelieved say in regards to the truth, لَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ Whenever it came to them, هَذَا سِحْرٌ مُّبِينٌ This is obviously magic. What else could this be? So they already called him, in the previous surah, they called him insane, they called him someone who's مُعَلَّمٌ مَجْنُونٌ He's been taught. He plagiarizes this, he's insane, and now they can't explain it. And the fact that the ayat, when they hear them, they mystify them. They're like, this is some kind of magic. Are they saying that he's made it up? Then if, tell them, if I've made it up, then you will not, you don't owe anything to me. In other words, you don't have, to, you don't have any control over what Allah does to me. I'm in a kind of trouble with God that you will not be able to help me against. I'm not seeking for your help or protection. And if I have made this up, then I'm in trouble with Allah myself. Very interesting language. He knows better what you are pouring out with your mouths. About him. Literally means when you, when you like take a jug of water or something, and you pour the water down your driveway, and the water kind of like, that's afada. And it's used as an as a verb in Arabic to also describe when large crowds of people pour into a field, kind of like that water spilling over, that's afala. It's also used when somebody's running their mouth and not thinking about it, and words are just pouring out of their mouth, and they're not even thinking about it. So, you know, When you keep talking and talking, and you keep calling the Qur'an a lie, and the things that keep blurting out of your mouth, he knows better what you're saying. What you're saying, he is enough as a witness between me and yourselves. rahim, And he is the extremely forgiving, always loving and merciful. قُلْ مَا كُنْتُ Rusul. Tell them I'm not an innovation from out of the messengers. I'm not this new creative messenger who came up with a message that's never been heard before. Every messenger God ever sent delivered the same essential message that I've come to you with. Why is this so new to you? You ever heard the word bid'a? Like innovation? Right? Bid'an, a creative innovation, a creative new thing that hasn't existed before. One of the names of Allah is Badi'a, Badi'a samawati wal ard. He, starts, he started the, the, the skies and the earth without any blueprint. It was just him, his own creativity. And I have no idea what's going to happen to me. This is not talking about the Prophet saying, I, will not, I have no idea what's going to happen to me in the afterlife. He's saying, I have no idea what's going to happen to me tomorrow. At the end of today, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I go to Taif. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I go to Medina. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I talk to this leader or that leader. In Taif, he's almost stoned to death. In Medina, he's welcomed as a ruler. Without even ever being there, they've already accepted him as a ruler. He doesn't have any idea what's going to happen to him. So, And I have no idea what's going to come of you. Only following that which has been revealed to me. This is the greatness of our Prophet ﷺ and the greatness of all Prophets. They didn't call people to accept themselves as rulers. They declared themselves servants and slaves of Allah 
and called people to the slavery of Allah. They didn't, and they didn't even say, I know everything. This, I have no idea. I don't even have a clue what's going to happen to me. I'm compelled. I am sanctioned. I have been, I've been charged with the responsibility of delivering whatever's been revealed to me. That's my job. And I'm nothing but clearly a clear warner. Tell them, have you seen? Have you observed? If he actually was possibly from God, have you ever thought about the possibility that this man that you're listening to, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Muhammad, is in fact a messenger from God, if that is the case, وَكَفَرْتُمْ بِهِ And you've disbelieved in him, وَشَهِدَ شَاهِدٌ مِّن بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ عَلَى مِثْلِهِ And a witness from this, a great witness from the sons of Israel has already testified to the likes of him. He's already said something to the likes of him. Uh, most of our scholars, classically speaking, cited Deuteronomy from the Old Testament, uh, I think the 18th book and chapters or verses 18 and 19 in reference to this, in reference to this particular ayah. Let me read the ayah again. If you are in any doubt in regards to, or if you are, if you have any thought, inkling that he might be a messenger and you've disbelieved in him, while you know that a great witness from the sons of Israel, meaning Moses, Musa alayhi salam, has testified to the likes, likes of him, and ala mithlihi is also saying he's going to be like, like me, Let's see what the, the, the verse itself is from, I'm reading one of the translations. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, like unto thee meaning Musa like Moses, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them after I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So he, I, Allah will require him to speak his words. And he's going to be similar to who? Musa alayhi salam. Musa, uh, Moses is given law. Rasul alayhi salam is given law. Musa is given sharia. Rasul alayhi salam is given sharia. Musa alayhi salam migrates. Musa, Rasul alayhi salam, the prophet migrates. Musa alayhi salam is commanded to fight. Our prophet is commanded to fight. There are tons and tons of parallels between Musa and Muhammad And this is before this ayah even came down. The most mentioned prophet in the Quran would be Musa, Moses. He's the most mentioned in the Qur'an because he has the most similarities to our Prophet and the most similarities to the nation. The, the Israelites and what they went through have the most similarities to what we're going to go through with the nation of Muhammad So, فَآمَنَا Then, so he, he testified to it and he believed in him. وَاسْتَكْبَرْتُمْ And you yourselves have lied, you have, you have become arrogant. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِ الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ No doubt Allah, He will not guide the wrongdoing nation, the oppressing nation. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا And those who disbelieved said to those who've believed, لَوْ كَانَ خَيْرًا مَا سَبَقُونَا إِلَيْهِ Had this message be any good, then those kinds of people wouldn't have gotten ahead of us to meet this message. This is actually, a, and it seems ambiguous, but I'll explain inshallah, it'll become easy to understand. This is a phenomenon all messengers went through. When messengers give their call, they're obviously talking about leaving things like greed and temptation behind. And the people that have the hardest time doing that are people that are doing well, the wealthy, the elite. So most of the time, the people that, and, and of course messengers all call to justice, and people that are unjust and benefiting from injustice kind of don't like that message. But it resonates with people that are victims of injustice. So in many, 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 if not most, if not all cases, people that ended up, ended up following the prophets were the weak in society. You know, the meek shall inherit the earth and all. So those who didn't have much status. And now the elite that are given the message of submitting to Allah, they're given the message of Islam, they turn to them and say, they turn to prophets and say, 
if this message was any good, this lower class would not have preceded us in accepting this message. If this message was worth it, we would have been the first to accept it. How can these guys get ahead of us in anything? So they have this class society mentality in their head, right? So they look at the color of skin of the people of a religion. They look at the geography of those people. They look at the economic conditions of those people and say, how could they be more sophisticated than us in anything? How could they have anything possibly to offer us? These people are less developed than we are. They are less advanced than we are. They're less educated than we are. How can their religion be right? There's this supremacy built inside their minds that didn't let them accept the mess call of the messengers because the messengers, remember, were always surrounded by people that were downtrodden. And this elitism, this kind of arrogance, is something that is the antithesis of guidance. You have arrogance, you can't have guidance. Guidance begins with humility. You have to humble yourself. So, وَإِذْ لَمْ يَحْتَدُوا بِهِ فَسَيَقُولُونَ هَذَا إِفْكُنْ قَدِيمٌ Then they themselves aren't committed to this guidance. And what's their justification? This is just an ancient lie. This is just the same stories we, other nations were told before. وَمِنْ قَبْلِهِ كِتَابُ مُوسَى إِمَامًا وَرَحْمَةً And much before this, the book of Moses, the book of Musa, the Torah, the, you know, the, the, the Torah, also pronounced Torah. إِمَامًا وَرَحْمَةً As a leader. And as a source of loving mercy. وَهَذَا كِتَابٌ مُصَدِّقٌ And this, meaning Qur'an, is a book that confirms. It confirms what was given to Musa. لِسَانًا عَرَبِيًّا An Arabic tongue. لِيُنذِرَ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا So that it may warn those who have done wrong. وَبُشْرَى لِلْمُحْسِنِينَ And so it may congratulate those who excel. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ No doubt, those who said our master is Allah. Then they held firm to that conviction and they lived a life of that conviction. They, were, they tried to hold on and stand by what they just said. Then they will have no fear on them. They will have no dangers coming their way. And they are not going to be the ones that are grieving. Meaning they're not going to be the ones grieving on judgment day. Those are the people of the lush garden. Al-Jannah, paradise. خَالِدِينَ fiha, In which they will remain permanently. جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ This is in compensation of what they used to do. وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانًا And we gave the human being, the forgetful human being, strong counsel in regards to both of his parents. إِحْسَانًا That he should be the best he can possibly be to both his parents. حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ كُرْحًا His mother carried him in, in pain, in dislike. In other words, she didn't like food. It didn't stop tasting good. She's always having a stomach ache. She's always, this is kurh, to be disturbed all the time. Karaha literally means hatred. But kurh from it, you're, you're an upset. Your body is upset. Your emotions are upset. She pained through this when she was carrying him. And she delivered him in pain and dislike. She just wanted the delivery to stop. She's yelling and screaming. You know, she just wants it to end. She's never experienced pain like that ever before. وَحَمْلُهُ And then his carrying, this, this, his carrying him, وَفِصَالُهُ And feeding of him, ثَلَاثُونَ شَهْرًا Up to 30 months. So before we learned up to two years, two years, and then ثَلَاثُونَ شَهْرًا And then even sometimes more, up to 30, two and a half years. حَتَّى إِذَا بَلَغَ أَشُدَّهُ Look at the change in this ayah, it's so beautiful. Until he reaches mature age, he becomes a young man. He's now 18, 19, 20, and eventually he's a mature adult with a career in his own life. بَلَغَ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةً He reaches 40 years of age. قَالَ رَبِّ أَوْزِعْنِي أَنْ أَشْكُرَ نِعْمَتَكَ Then, 40 is supposed to be the age of maturity. 
You know, the age when it's right the, the middle of your life. You know, in modern society, we call it the midlife crisis, right? Like, you know, the imminence of death is now dawning upon you, and therefore it's a crisis. When in Islam, it's the time where you realize half of my life is gone, and I need to look back and be grateful for things. And now, instead of looking at my own future, I need to worry about my children's future. And that's what's being beautifully communicated in this ayah. Look, أَوْزِعْنِي أَنْ أَشْكُرَ نِعْمَةَكَ الَّتِي أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيَّ وَعَلَى وَالِدَيَّ I will, Master, give me inspiration, give me motivation, drive me that I should be grateful to the favor you've given me, your favor that you've granted onto me, and to both my parents. I'm so grateful for you doing good to me and doing good to both of my parents. So at this age, at this age of 40, your parents are really, really old. And Allah is teaching you to make dua for yourself and for them. Pray for yourself and pray for them. But then, and this is about the past, because the favors that are done are always referring to what is past. An'amta, past tense, right? Wa an And now the future tense. And that I may act righteously that it pleases you. He doesn't say, I've already acted righteously, you should be pleased with me. He says, no, I'm at this age, now that, I'm, that, that death is imminent, Ya Allah, give me the strength that I act righteously in a way that pleases you. So I don't want to be self-righteous. What I think is righteous. No, I want to do things that you, you are pleased with. وَأَصْلِحْ لِي فِي ذُرِّيَتِي And produce good for my sake into my children. He's worried, I'm worried about my children and their children's children, ذُرِّيَة, future generations. But make good of them for my sake. I'm not even worried about them for them. I know for a fact when I stand on Judgment Day, Allah will ask me, how did you raise your kids? And as a result of your lack of upbringing, they raised their children inappropriately, and they even got worse and worse and worse and worse. You're the one who started this chain reaction. You're responsible. So for my sake, for my own benefit, in my, my children create righteousness, create goodness. Inni tubtu ilayka. I am no doubt turning back to you in repentance. وَإِنِّي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And I am from those who submit themselves. I am from those that are Muslim. أُولَٰئِكَ نَتَقَبَّلُ عَنْهُمْ أَحْسَنَ مَا عَمِلُوا Those are the people. We will expect, accept from them the best of the deeds they did. So that reward thing I told you about before, right? So some of your deeds are kind of like you get a 40, some deeds you get a 50, some deeds you get an A, a B, a C, a D. Well, a few of your deeds, Allah, a few of your deeds you get an A or an A+. Plus. So what does Allah do? He takes all of your deeds and curves them up to an A plus based on the best things you did in life. That's His mercy on Judgment Day. So you, you, you get, you know how your, your, the class's grade is curved up? Everybody gets a better grade? Well, that's, that's what happens to the, all of your deeds. Those are the kinds of people. So in this ayah, Allah offers this reward to those who make this prayer, especially at an age where we tend to ignore our parents the most because we're so busy with our own life. I have my kids, I have my career, I have my family, I have my savings, I have my house, I have my job, oh my God, my, 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 and parents call once in a while and you say, I can't talk right now. I'm really worried about, I, I'm in the middle of something, can I call you later? And you don't call them later, you know? And if that, that starts happening when you're teens, and some of you that have teens know, are tasting that already, but then as you get older, you just get so involved in your own life, you barely have time for your parents. You barely have time for them, and here Allah says, Put inspiration in me because I need it. I need to be inspired to be grateful to you and to be grateful for what you've done for my parents because none of what I have would have happened if you didn't bless my parents, if you didn't take care of them. And so these are the people who Allah says will be given the most, the, the most wonderful, the, based on the most, best deeds they did, they'll be compensated. Oh man, this is beautiful. We will ignore 
we will pass over, overlook their deeds, their evil deeds. These, these good people, I mean, nobody's perfect. You're going to come with evil deeds. But it's like, eh, it's okay. You're showing your book. There's some record of bad deeds in there. And the angels are like, it's okay. We understand. It's all right. Just go. You're good. They're in the people of Jannah. They're in the company. They're in the companions, in the midst of the companions of paradise. The promise of truth, this in fact is, the one that they had been promised. And on the other hand is the kind of person that says to his parents, Oh God, mom, dad, why don't you ever understand anything? That guy. Ugh. Rolling the eyes is off, like your parents are talking to you, they're giving you a lecture, and you're going, uh-huh, yeah, sure. Or, here we go again. That's off. Allah quotes that in the Qur'an. That's a quote in the Qur'an. The guy whose parents, and by the way, when, do you, when is it the most, when, you, when do you feel in life you know everything? I mean, you, know, you feel like you know everything when you're a teenager. Then you get turned 25 and you realize how stupid you were when you were a teenager. But when you turn 40, you've got things figured out, kind of. You've got a plan figured out, budget figured out. Now you've got an, everything under control. By this time, your parents are retired. You know, their careers are over. The world was a different world when they were younger. So when they start talking to you about stuff, you're like, okay, dad, I don't think you know what you're talking about, please. And you don't understand. You don't know. Mom, it's okay. Leave it alone. This is frustration with parents. Allah says there's a kind of person. On the other hand, the one who doesn't get his sins overlooked, the one who doesn't make it through, who talks back to his parents in this way. And this guy is not even serious about the religion. So these are old parents that try to tell his child, listen, son, you have career, you have family. Why don't you pray sometimes? Have you thought about hajj? When you have the money now, you're not in debt. Are you going to hajj? No, mom, you, you know, this stuff... Don't, I told you, don't talk to me about religion stuff, okay? It, it, it makes me upset. I'm just here for Eid. Let's just do this, get this over with, and I'll go on my way, okay? I, I won't bother you, you don't bother me. Let's just do that, okay? Let's just keep things civil, mother. And he starts talking to his mom like that. And he says, what's this? You know, are you seriously still promising me? And you're still, uh, both of you, talking to me about the fact that I'll be brought out, ukhraja, I'll be resurrected. Waqad khalatil qurunu min qabli. And so many people have died before me, mom. Nobody's coming out of their graves. Please, stop talking about this hocus pocus stuff. You know, you brought this religion from the home country, but we're in America now. It's okay. You can move on. And then both parents turn in desperation to Allah. Ya Allah, only you can guide now. You know, istighatha, to ask desperately for help, and if that help doesn't come, we'll die. The parents are dying over the fact that their child is not taking their faith seriously. And they say to him, Wailaka, amen, curse you, believe, what's wrong with you? And the mother starts yelling, you know how sometimes out of love your mom yells at you? And says mean, mean things to you? I hate you so much, you're such a disappointment, why don't you believe, why don't you listen to me? And then he says, what did you say, mother? No, no, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it, I just get really overwhelmed sometimes, I don't know what to say to you. Because you just don't listen. This is waylaka amin. Come on, why don't you have faith? Inna wa'adallahi haq. No doubt the promise of Allah is true. And he turns to his mother and he says, he turns to his father and he says, These are just stories of old times, Dad. You're an old timer and you got an old time religious ideas. You know, we're living in the modern age now. 
I've taken my share of philosophy courses already. Those are the people, those are the kinds of people in the past, the word of Allah has already been deserved on them. The verdict of God that they should be punished in previous nations has already come to pass. From way before them. From among the jinn and the human beings. No doubt they had been the ones in fact that were the losers. And all people have levels from which within they work, from within which they work. People are created at different levels. Some people are created by Allah smarter than others. Some people stronger than others, some taller than others. Some with an artistic aptitude, some with a mathematical aptitude. Everybody's got some talents that they have. And within those, and then on top of that, it's not just your personal talents, the opportunities you enjoy in life. Some person's born in the, the leading nation in the world. Some person's born in the starving nation of the world. And that wasn't up to them. That was, that was the decree of Allah. That they would be born there and this one would be born here. And the one could be born in the most wealthy nation in the world and never see a nickel or, or dime. And someone could be born in a starving nation and end up becoming a billionaire. That's up to Allah. But within the opportunities, within the aptitudes that you're born with, within the surroundings that Allah enveloped you in, the takhweel we talked about before, the, the, the things you're wrapped up in, within that you have to put yourself to work. Allah will not test you. Allah will not grade you on judgment day comparing you to anybody else. You had your own opportunities, your own life, your own talents. And you'll be judged on your own merits. What you were capable of versus what you did. This is what, my, what I tell my students at the beginning of every year. Don't compare yourself to other students in my program. There are some students, Allah just made Arabic easy for them. There are some people, I believe they weren't created for Arabic. They were just, they're smart. You tell, ask them to study calculus, they'll get a PhD, no problem. Ask them to pronounce the Arabic alphabet and they will have a heart attack. Easier for them to go through a root canal. It's just that way. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. You will be judged. You're here to put effort for the sake of Allah and your, your qualifications, your accomplishments are not judged by me. At the end, Allah will judge what you were capable of versus what effort you put in. Because you, you don't exhaust yourselves to your potential. This is the ayah of exhausting yourself to whatever degree Allah has given you. لِكُلِّ دَرَجَاتٌ مِمَّا عَمِلُوا وَلِيُوَفِّيَهُمْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ And so that He may compensate them fully for the deeds they had done. وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ and they're not the ones that are going to be wrong. The day on which those who disbelieved are going to be presented against the fire, right before the fire. You've already done away with all the luxuries, all the good things in worldly life. You didn't worry about this afterlife. You were the ones who said, all we have is this life. We should party and enjoy. Well, that's over with now. And you truly enjoyed yourself. Then today you will be compensated with the punishment of humiliation. On account of the fact that you used to be arrogant. You used to show arrogance in the land, in the earth, without having justification. And because of the fact that you consistently engaged in corrupt behavior. And make mention of, of the brothers of Ad, the nation of Ad, the brothers of Ad. Meaning Hud alayhi salam, he's the brother of Ad, of the nation of Ad. إِذْ أَنذَرَ قَوْمَهُ When he warned his nation بِالْأَحْقَافِ at the heights. وَقَدْ خَلَتِ النُّذُرُ And the, the warnings had already come to pass. مِنْ بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِ From right in front of him and behind him also. 
Allah ta'budu illallah that you shouldn't be worshipping anybody other than Allah. Inni akhafu alaykum adhaba yawmin azim. No doubt I am certainly afraid over you for the punishment of a great day. If you Google this, the, the ruins of Ad, ruins of AAD, you could probably find a lot of images of the ruins of Ad and how sophisticated their architecture was. They said to Hud alayhi salam, they said, Are you, have you come to us to turn us away from our gods? Then bring us whatever you're promising us. This promise of nations will be destroyed if they don't follow the guidance of God. Let's see it, if in fact you're from the truthful. Tell them, knowledge truly only belongs to Allah. وَأُبَلِّغُكُمْ مَا أُرْسِلْتُ بِهِ And I'm only communicating to you thoroughly whatever I have been sent with. وَلَكِنِّي أَرَاكُمْ قَوْمًا تَجْهَلُونَ However, I see you, you are a people that want to go by their whims, by their emotions. تَجْهَلُونَ You get overwhelmed by your emotions, you get riled up really easily, and you refuse to have civil conversation. This is قَوْمًا تَجْهَلُونَ It's very difficult for, me to, for you and me to have a calm conversation with each other. One of the great mercies of Allah is He stopped destroying nations because they disbelieve. That came to an end with the final messenger. When were nations destroyed? When messengers, prophets were sent to them and those charged with that responsibility to deliver the message and receive revelation, when they were rejected, then nations were destroyed. Because, man, our disbelief today as a, as a, as a human population competes with the disbelief of the nations of before. If not, we're on top of them. We're all, we're, we got, and then some. And if that tradition of Allah had continued, there wouldn't be anybody left. That's one of the great mercies of Allah, and that's actually one of the reasons we call him, you know, Rahmatan lil alameen. Our Prophet is called the great mercy and love for all nations and all peoples, because with him, that tradition stopped. With him, there's no more nations being annihilated. Even Makkah wasn't annihilated. فَلَمَّا رَأَوْهُ عَارِضًا مُسْتَقْبِلَ أَوْدِيَتِهِمْ Such such incredible phrasing. When they saw it being presented, heading to مُسْتَقْبِلَ Heading towards them from istiqbal, greeting them. أَوْدِيَتِهِمْ From their valleys, they saw clouds coming from their valleys. And when they saw the, the clouds coming, they said, Yes, finally, there's going to be rain. قَالُوا هَذَا عَارِضٌ مُمْطِرُنَا This is coming towards us. It's presenting towards us. It's going to shower on us. بَلْ هُوَ مَسْتَعْجَلْتُمْ بِهِ Rather it happens to be the very thing you are rushing towards. رِيحٌ فِيهَا عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ A wind in which there is painful torment. سَخَّرَهَا عَلَيْهِمْ سَبْعَ لَيَالٍ وَثَمَانِيَةَ أَيَّامٌ We're going to learn later on. It, it, was, it, it subdued them. It overpowered them. A tornado overpowered them for seven straight nights and eight straight days. When a hurricane or a tornado passes through a town for three minutes, you see what damage it does on the news. This is seven nights and eight days, continuously, in the same zip code. It's just going around. And what damage does it do? To دَمِّرُ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ It crushes, it continuously crushed everything بِأَمْرِ رَبِّهَا By the command of its master. فَأَصْبَحُوا لَا يُرَى Then they became a people that couldn't even be seen. You couldn't even find their bodies. إِلَّا مَسَاكِنُهُمْ Except homes. كَذَلِكَ نَجْزِي الْقَوْمَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ That is how we compensate the criminal nation. وَلَقَدْ مَكَّنَّاهُمْ فِيمَا أَنْ إِمْ مَكَّنَّاكُمْ فِيهِ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ And uh, we, had, we have settled them, we had given them stability in the land. And if, in a way that we haven't given to you. 
The Makkans are being told, you, have, you don't nearly have the civilization, the power, the strength, the military might that that nation had that was annihilated by winds. And we had given them the power of hearing and seeing and hearts to make good decisions with. Just like you've been given. Their hearing and their seeing and their hearts were not able to benefit them at all. In any way, shape or form. When they were engaged in pointless debate. Bi ayatillah. When they were engaged in pointless debate in the, about the miracles of Allah. And everything they used to poke fun at took, took a hold of them and surrounded them. And we've destroyed what is around you of all different kinds of towns. Meaning the Meccans, when the Prophet was delivering this message, and this is around the time when they started you know, becoming more and more aggressive towards the Prophet. That's why the surahs of warning in previous nations being described so, uh, 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 being destroyed started coming more. The nation of Ad, Thamud, these are nations that were in proximity to the Arab land. And when the prophets, or when the people of Mecca would go into trade, they would pass by these towns. They would pass by the ruins of these towns. So Allah says, we've destroyed what is around you of towns. وَصَرَّفْنَا الْآيَاتِ And we've, we've drawn all, we've created all kinds of miracles and alternated them. We've tried to teach you this way, this way, and this way. Sometimes Allah tries to bring you back to Him by giving you lessons from history. Sometimes He wants you to reflect on His wisdom. Sometimes He talks about things you can't even see, the skies and the earth and what goes on in those secrets. Sometimes He tells you about heaven and hell. Sometimes He tells you about your own self. You know? Sometimes He tells you about previous revelations. There are so many different ways to try to get you to get the point. So that hopefully they may return. فَلَوْلَا نَصَرَهُمْ الَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ قُرْبَانًا Then, had it not been the case, those, it didn't help, whatever they used to call on other than Allah, how come it didn't help them? All those false gods that they have, how come they didn't aid them? قُرْبَانًا آلِهَةً those, God, those gods, those others than Allah, that were supposed to bring them closer to Allah. They were their means of getting closer to God. The idea of the, the psychology of shirk, the psychology of associating people with Allah, or partners with Allah is what? I can't deal with God directly. God's going to judge me. I'm way too messed up. I need somebody in between who can carry all the sins. And when, I'm, when God is about to judge me, he'll just get in the way and say, hey, wait, God, these guys are with me, so they're good. And that way, I don't have to take any responsibility. So they're going to be qurbanan. They're close to God. They're close to these entities in between, whether it be, you know, in, in some dimensions of, or some denominations of the Christian faith, it may be Jesus. For Hindus, it may be some other, you know, uh, entity. For some Muslims, it may be a saint. For some Muslims, even it's even the Prophet, They put Muhammad in that place, ma'adullah. I, I can do whatever I want. Muhammad is just going to make shifa and we'll be good. He's just going to say, oh, these people are with me. So they can go. This is exactly what Allah came to destroy, what all messengers came to destroy. You will deal with God directly. And no one will save you. The mercy of Allah is one thing. And our deeds, and this is the other contrast I've been meaning to share with you, and I still haven't gotten the chance, so today is the day. There's, there's a contrast I've been wanting to share with you. When we get to paradise, we say this is the mercy of God. This is the love and mercy of Allah. We could not have gotten here on account of our deeds. Our deeds are way not good enough to get us into paradise. We didn't deserve this. We didn't deserve His forgiveness. We didn't deserve His mercy in paradise. These are, these are going to be our claims. 
On the other hand, Allah is saying, no, no, no. These are your deeds. Your deeds got you here. Now, I need you to understand, this is how things are supposed to be. The believer is supposed to be convinced that it's not his or her deeds that get them to paradise. That it's supposed to be Allah's mercy. It's rahmah. But Allah, in appreciation of the few deeds you did, Allah acknowledges them and says, you got here because of your deeds. He has a right to say that. Because he's God. He has a right. We don't say that. So there's two perspectives. There's Allah's perspective. Allah's perspective is, you did well. And that's why I compensated you way more than you even deserve. And our perspective is, no matter how much we do, we don't deserve it. We, we still don't deserve it. This is, not, this is way more than what we could ever do. Or we could ever earn. When we enter the gates of Jannah, we'll see that. Why do you think in Surah Al-Rahman, when we walk into Jannah, we're still saying, What favors of Allah are you going to be in denial of? People are inside paradise and they're saying, how could, how could I have not appreciated Allah? Even though I entered paradise, my deeds were enough to get me to paradise? No, they weren't. I was in denial. This is way, way overpayment. Way overpayment. So it's not like we don't believe that we're entering paradise on our own deeds. We, we believe that we're entering paradise on our own deeds. That's not the case. We do enter paradise because Allah Azza wa shows us mercy. But the principle is, he only, in Islam, He only shows mercy and forgiveness to those who try their level best. Even though their level best isn't good enough. They have to try. That's when they earn salvation. Then all those false gods have been lost away from them. And that is the, the vicious lie they made up. And they were not the ones. And, they, and whatever they used to make up. In addition to those vicious lies. The Prophet is a very interesting story. The Prophet ﷺ went to Taif, hoping that the people of Taif, which was the, you know, من القريتين عظيم, and that ayah came already, so we were already kind of thinking about Taif already in the previous discussion, two surahs ago. So now the Prophet ﷺ decides that he's going to go to Taif and maybe try to talk to the people in Taif, because Makkah is not working out that well. He goes to Taif, and you know it's one of the most horrible experiences in the Prophet's life, والسلام. And he's almost he's stoned almost to death, and you know they, they, they take hooligans from the town and they have him followed around. His feet, his slippers are, sh are filled with blood. He can't even walk anymore, and he just falls under a tree in the shade just to relax for a little bit. And the angel shows up and offers him, if you want, because you are a messenger, if you want, life can be done with. We can crush them between the two mountains that are that make the valley, the city uh, uh, in the valley that it is. We could just end the city right now. And he said, no, maybe their children will be believers one day. Beautiful story. The Prophet is heading back and he stopped in Nakhla. He's now leaving Taif and he stopped in the valley of Nakhla, the gardens of Nakhla. And he prayed Fajr there. He's praying the morning prayer. And there's only two people. There's the Prophet and his slave Zayd. That's it. And we've already learned about Zayd, yes? And how he treated him like a son. And how Allah to tell him he's not really your son. You can't call him your son if he's not really your son. You can't give him your name. Okay. Now, a, a party of jinn passing through, they overheard the Qur'an. وَإِذْ صَرَفْنَا إِلَيْكَ نَفَرًا مِنَ الْجِنِّ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقُرْآنِ They are listening carefully and attentively to the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ is heading back in depression from Taif, thinking nobody's going to listen to this message now. These people of Taif, they didn't even want to hear what I have to say. 
And Allah says, you'd be surprised. You'll find audiences you can't even see. You're just reciting. You're not even preaching. You're just praying. You're just reciting Fajr. And you know, in Quran, Al-Fajri kana mashhuda, the Fajr of Quran is witnessed. Well, now it's witnessed by jinn. And now on top of that, mashhuda, it's motivation to pray longer, for Fajr to be prayed longer, because it's witnessed by Allah. So they started listening to the Qur'an as the Prophet was praying. فَلَمَّا حَضَرُوهُ قَالُوا Then when they came in his presence, they said, أَنْصِيتُهُ Hey, shh, guys, shh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Try to listen. أَنْصِيتُهُ means quiet and listen. Be quiet and listen. Two things together. Okay, أَسْسُكُوتُ وَالسَّمَعَ مَعَنْ أَنْصِيتُهُ So the jinns, they're a bunch of guys hanging out, they're going by, cracking jokes or whatever. They overhear the Qur'an, one of them hears it, and they say, no, 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 stop, stop talking. Let's listen. So they start listening to the Qur'an. فَلَمَّا قُضِيَ Then when the Prophet was done with it, وَلَّوْا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِمْ مُنْذِرِينَ They ran back to their nation trying to warn them. قَالُوا يَا قَوْمَنَا They said, our nation, إِنَّا سَمِعْنَا كِتَابًا No doubt we today have heard a book, أُنزِلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مُوسَىٰ That has been revealed after Moses. After Musa. مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ It confirms whatever was right ahead of it. In the, old, in the older revelations, it fulfills the scripture of the past. يَهْدِي إلى الحق. It guides to the truth. وَإِلَىٰ طَرِيقٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ And to a path that is straight. يَا قَوْمَنَا أَجِيبُوا دَعِيَ اللَّهِ Our nation, respond to the caller of God. Caller to God. The caller of Allah, meaning the Prophet ﷺ. وَآمِنُوا بِهِ And believe in Him. يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ مِن ذُنُوبِكُمْ Allah will cover from you and, and forgive away from you the embarrassing sins you've done. وَيُجِرْكُمْ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ And He will protect you. Like we say in the Ramadan dua, اللَّهُمَّ أَجِرْنَا مِنَ النَّارِ وَيُجِرْكُمْ And He will protect you, save you, shield you from painful punishment. وَمَنْ لَا يُجِبْ دَعِيَ اللَّهِ Then the one who does not respond to the caller of God, the caller of Allah, فَلَيْسَ بِمُعْجِزٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ Then he's not going to be able to overpower anybody in the land. He's not going to have power in the future. وَلَيْسَ لَهُ مِن دُونِهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ He's not going to have any protective friends other than God Himself. أُولَئِكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ Those are the people that are clearly lost, clearly misguided. أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْا أَنَّ اللَّهَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ haven't they seen that Allah is the one who created the skies and the earth? وَلَمْ يَعْيَ بِخَلْقِهِنَّ And He didn't get overwhelmed and exhausted by creating them. This is important. لَمْ يَعْيَ بِخَلْقِهِنَّ You see, they learned in the revelation given to Musa what they were, what they were confirming, what they learned from Muhammad wasallam. The misinterpretation of the seventh day He rested, because the word rested in English could mean what? I'm tired into getting rest. But Allah says, وَلَمْ يَعْيَ بِخَلْقِهِنَّ He didn't get tired. So even the word rested can also mean stopped. Rested in the meaning of stopped. And that's the problem of translation. From original, the sacred original language to another language. Right? I mean, even as I'm translating to you, so many things are missing in the translation. So وَلَمْ يَعْيَ He didn't get exhausted, overwhelmed by creating them. بِقَادِرٍ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُحْيِيَ الْمَوْتَىٰ Isn't the one who did that, created the entire universe, all that we see around us, is not capable of bringing the dead back to life? إِنَّهُ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ No doubt he is in complete control over all things. وَيَوْمَ يُعْرَضُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا عَلَىٰ النَّارِ The day on which disbelievers are going to be brought before the fire. أَلَيْسَ هَذَا بِالْحَقِّ They're going to be told, isn't this real? Isn't this happening? قَالُوا بَلَىٰ Then they'll say, of course, why not? وَرَبِّنَا And we swear by our master. You are our master now. We didn't, expect your, we didn't accept your mastery, your lordship before, but now we're ready. فَقَالَ فَذُوقُ الْعَذَابِ Then he says, then taste the punishment. بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَكْفُرُونَ Because of the disbelief you were engaged in. 
Now the Prophet is addressed. Fasbir. You just be patient. Kama sabara ulul azmi min rusul Just like those of great resolve, the people of great commitment among the messengers were patient. Who are the great committed, com- greatly committed messengers? The messengers of great resolve. Surah Shura describes them for us. Shara'a lakum min ad-dini ma wassabihi Nuhan, Noah, Nuh. وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ And what has been revealed to you, Muhammad وسلم, وَمَا وَصَّيْنَا بِهِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ Abraham, Musa, Moses, Isa, Jesus Five messengers That are, some say seven They add Shu'ib and Salih to that list But majority says five messengers That were of great commitment Learn from their stories And learn to be patient like them Take them as your role models in patience وَلَا تَسْتَعْجِلْ لَهُمْ And don't don't rush in the matter of these people. When these people poke fun at your message and insult you, don't rush it. Don't just pray that, they, that Allah should do justice with them. Remember what happened in the previous surah? Who made a dua? Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam just made a call. These are a criminal nation. Don't do that. Don't rush. Don't say it yet. Because if you say it, they'll be done. Subhanallah. It is as though the day on which they're going to see whatever they've been promised. They're going to feel like they weren't living on the earth except for like an hour. Just a given moment. That's all they spent on this life. From a part of a, the morning or the afternoon. This is clear communication. A clear communication it is. Then is anybody going to be annihilated? Is there anybody that's going to be destroyed? If not the corrupt nation, those that are, that are inherently corrupt. What is corruption here? Corruption here is people who hear the messenger's message and they don't take it seriously at all. But to understand that in its full context, the Prophet is being to told, be, told to be patient. The message isn't the book being recited alone. It's being recited by the messenger. It's a combination of two things, the highest character. The, the messengers have the highest character and then they have the message with them. Two things validate the truth. The, the, the argument itself, the evidence, the revelation itself and the character of the one delivering it. Those, both of those things are together. And if that's not enough for them, all you have to do is patient, patient, be patient because if you pray against them right now, it'll be over. But in the end, the ultimate destruction is for those who are inherently corrupt, those who didn't care for revelation. So alhamdulillah, our journey through a huge chunk of Makkah and Qur'an is over. Because we have a little bit of time left, I'm going to use this opportunity to introduce the next surah to you because it's a heavy workload. Okay, just to get us ready, geared up for tomorrow because it's a lot of stuff. Okay, Makki Qur'an is totally different from Madani Qur'an. Makki Qur'an is before the Prophet migrated, left the city of Makkah. 13 years he was there and then he migrated to the city of Medina. That's a completely different revelation. The, the situation of the Muslims changed, revelation changed. When the Muslims migrate, before they migrate, they were just a group. We had this conversation yesterday, yes? Before they migrated, they were just a group. Once they migrated, they were actually a government. They, they set up a, a mini-state with courts, with treaties. It was now a constitution. And there were two kinds of Muslim citizens in it, the Muhajirun and the Ansar, the migrants who had come from Mecca, who had been kicked out of their homes because the Prophet ﷺ, there was a plan to assassinate him. So you almost, you know, barely escaped that plan by Allah, you know, uh, by Allah's command. And then Muslims who had been oppressed, who'd been, whose homes had been taken from them, who'd been tortured, etc. The escapees are now in Medina and they've set up a new community in Medina. Six months go by. 
Six months go by and the Prophet in these six months does a few major, takes a few major initiatives. The first major initiative is he builds Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi, the, Pro the Prophet's Masjid, which was not just the center of prayer, it was the center of learning and teaching, it was also the center of governance. It was where, where communal matters were decided, it was the court system, it was everything. It was that central community center for that com the, the, the Medina community. The second thing is there are uh, uh, agreements made between the Jewish and the Christian communities. We're going to defend Medina jointly. If Medina is attacked because the Jewish community lives there, the Christian community lives there, and the Muslim community now lives there. And a significant number of, uh, of, of Christians and a small number of Jews before the Prophet even got there had become Muslim. But regardless, there was Christian and Jewish communities left. And very few Christians were left, actually. Most of them had become, because Aus and Khazraj were Christian tribes, they had pretty much become Muslims, all of them. But there were some Jewish tribes still left. And the agreement was made, if this city is attacked, we'll defend it together. Okay, if the city is attacked, we'll defend it together. And if you have a legal matter, because he was kind of, the majority community basically appointed the Prophet ﷺ as the governor of the city now. So the majority, the, if, there's a, if there's a legal matter or a dispute, it'll be brought to the Prophet ﷺ, but the Jews also had the option to judge by their own book. So if they have a dispute among each other, and they'd rather judge it by their revelation, they can. They can. That option was given. So now, kind of a, a, a civil agreement is made between the people of Medina. The third, if Medina is at, so I told you about the joint defense already, right? If Medina is attacked on the outside, both Jews and Christians are going to defend it together. Or Jews and Muslims are going to defend it together. Then, immediately, the Prophet ﷺ started preparing military battalions. Small factions, small groups of military teams, uh, and he sent them on these guerrilla missions to attack the trade routes that the Meccans used to engage in. They used to do trade with Syria and Yemen and other places. And the Prophet ﷺ sent caravans out to go, and military caravans to go and attack these trade caravans to hurt the Meccans economically. Now, let's talk about this in United Nations language. There are a group of people that live in a city, they've been citizens of that city for generation upon generation upon generation. And then a significant number of them convert to a different religion. They're not violent, they're not calling for violence, they're not calling for anything else, they're just holding on to their faith and they're preaching it. They're actively preaching their faith. The, the majority of that community sees them as a threat and first it speaks out against them, then it tries to character assassinate them, then it commits violence against its own citizens that have converted, and eventually is ready to kill them to the point where these people now leave their hometown and move to another city. Who's the criminal and who's the victim at this point? The city and its, its controllers are the criminals, and the people that have been kicked out of their hometown are the victims. These victims now form a newly established state. They form a newly established government. Do they have a right to attack back those who took their homes and their, their, their properties and tortured them without just cause? Do they have a right to fight back? Yes. Under, there is no, by the way, this is not retaliation at the individual level. This is retaliation at the state level. Because at the individual level, retaliation is not allowed. At the group level, retaliation is not allowed. At the state level, it's allowed. Now they're a state. Now they're a state. So the policies revealed start poking at them. And now the Prophet ﷺ sends, in addition, not just to get a couple of tribes, a couple of trade caravans, which are really important. It's like taking down a, a tanker, you know, or these, these huge vessels that come that travel with multiple carts. 
you know, these, these large cartons, taking one of those out or robbing one of them. That's crazy. It's a huge blow to a city, especially one that depends on trade from outside. The Prophet ﷺ also sets up scouts outside of, on the outskirts of Mecca, so people that are just kind of there as observers to keep watch on the movements of the people of Mecca. Where are they going for trade? Are they advancing a military? What are they up to? One of these scouts gets discovered. One of these scout missions, they were just there to observe by the Muslims. They get discovered and they get attacked. When they get attacked, they fight back and they actually kill and overcome the group that attacked them. And they take all of their spoils, the horses, camels, whatever it was, and they took it back to Medina. This, in Medina, the Prophet says, you shouldn't have fought, but since you had no choice, what can we do? But in, in Mecca at the same time, a debate was happening. A really cool debate was happening in Mecca. In politics, you can call it hawks and doves, really aggressive politicians that are pro-war, and then there are politicians that are pro-peace. There were actually leaders, that, not Muslim leaders in Mecca, that said if Muhammad وسلم, advances, gains more territory, becomes more powerful in Arabia, well, after all, at the end of the day, he's one of ours. He is a citizen of Mecca. So it's kind of good for us. I mean, okay, we, we kicked him out, but good for us. It's an extension of ourselves at the end of the day. Others said, no, he's a threat. He's a liability. He's going to come back. It's going to be a problem. You don't know what he's capable of. On the one hand, and by the way, Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab were of the, of the front that wanted to go to war. Abu Sufyan was actually not, not pro-war. So, news comes that the Muslims have attacked a caravan. What? They've attacked a caravan? Now who has ammunition to go to war? The aggressive ones. And, but that's still not enough. But then Abu Sufyan himself sends an SOS message back to Mecca because Abu Sufyan was going to trade with Syria. The Prophet heard about it. It was a huge caravan. It was a huge caravan. And the Prophet heard about it and he sent against them uh, to, to capture them because this was going to be a big economic blow. So he sent against them a caravan to capture them. Abu Sufyan got wind of it, took an alternative route and escaped. He took the coastal route, the longer route, and he escaped. And when he escaped, he sent an SOS back to Mecca. They tried to rob the biggest caravan we have. Now there was no dispute left. We have to go after these Muslims. Revelation then came to the Prophet ﷺ, telling him two things. On the one hand, you have the, the Quraysh, the people of Mecca, they've prepared an army of a thousand, armed to the teeth. And by the way, the Muslims, altogether our population is in the hundreds, and the army we could muster up was about 313. About 313. And we didn't really have any, like, like 10 swords, three or four horses, things like that. We weren't, these are farming people. And an army that's like trained in battle, seasoned fighters are coming, a thousand of them are headed this way. Revelation came and gave the Prophet two options. You can go after Abu Sufyan if you want. The trade caravan that's not armed, you can go after them. Because when the Prophet left Medina, they, he actually left to attack Abu Sufyan. And while they're already out, and they're armed not to take on an army, they're armed to take out a trade caravan, which is completely different. They're already out in battle, Revelation comes, you have two options. There's an army armed, uh, armed to the teeth, heading your way towards the field of Badr, or you could go after Abu Sufyan. Your choice though. But God wants that truth be proven as truth. The Allah's, Allah was guaranteeing you victory over either one. 
So there's an army of a thousand well-armed, experienced coming your way, and there's an unarmed caravan. Which would you go after? The Prophet passes his verdict. We should go after the army. 313 unarmed, barely, or basically unarmed, about to take on a thousand. This is the first war in the Prophet's life, وسلم, the Battle of Badr. It actually happened in Ramadan. This happened in Ramadan, the 27th. Okay, the 27th of Ramadan. And interestingly, if you remember what I said in Surah Al-Rum, Allah said, the day on which the Romans make a comeback against the Persian Empire will be a day that believers will be extremely happy. That's the same day the Romans made a comeback. Nine years after the revelation, the word of Allah came true. The Roman Empire made a comeback, defeated the Persian Empire. And it's the same day the Muslims defeated the Quraysh, the Meccans, in the Battle of Badr. Now, who's obviously in a position of weakness? I mean, when you look at the two armies, if you were just had a camera span of the two armies, who's in a position of weakness? The Muslims are. The next surah is called Surah Muhammad, also called the Surah of Fighting, Surah Al-Qital. It was revealed in the context of this first battle. It was supposed to be mental preparation for the Muslims that are going to go out there and engage these people in battle. I would think God would reveal to them, don't be afraid. I know they're more powerful than you are, but I'm on your side. Take it easy. It's completely different. Allah says to them, when you meet the enemy, strike them on the back of their neck. Strike them on the back of their neck. That means to, to hit the back of somebody's neck, they're already down, aren't they? They're already overpowered. Allah is telling these 313, you guys are so strong. These, this army that's coming, their necks are going to be down. You're going to be able to take them out. And don't show them any mercy. Annihilate them. Here we were hoping to hear, don't be afraid. I know you have no experience. Take it easy. I'll take care of your problem. Allah says, no, destroy them. It's one of the most merciless, like very harsh motivations to an army given. Why? Because the Muslims needed to hear how tough they really are against that enemy. Now, if you don't have historical context, if you don't know, I mean, we don't, we're not supposed to hide from the context. This is what happened. The Prophet did engage in wars. And we believe justifiable ones with absolute conviction. In any court of law today, these wars would be absolutely justifiable. There is no general that tells his soldiers, as they're about to go into the battlefield against a much more powerful enemy, listen, be humanitarians. Take it easy. That's not the time to be soft. That's the time to be tough. The next surah is very tough. It's very tough. It's very unapologetic. But the surah after that, now once you go to war, you have a taste for it. Especially if you win. Then you have the taste of fight. Then comes a time when the Quran reveals, I know you really want to fight. Negotiate. Don't fight. And if all the terms in the negotiations are against you, still don't fight. <laughs> when I tell you, you will fight and fight hard. And when I tell you to stop, you will stop. That's because I'm master and you're slave. That's Surah Muhammad and Surah Al-Fatih. It's incredible. The discipline of an army is tested. A mob, once it starts fighting, it fights and it fights and it fights and you can't stop it. An army, an army, when you tell it to fight, it fights. An army, when you tell it to stop and retreat, it retreats. That's the discipline of an army. This is already proof that this is a state. This is not just a mob of people now. They're disciplined. They retreat when they're supposed to. They engage when they're supposed to. 
So the, the, this is the, the subject matter that we're going to deal with in the next surah. The, the tragedy of our time, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it today because we have time today a little bit, these five, two, three minutes inshallah or less. The tragedy of our time is these ayat that we're about to read, the surah we're about to read, is quoted by really angry Muslims in parts of the world to justify violence at the individual or group level, which was historically in Islam never allowed unless at the state level. And even then, even then, you have to have a pretext. There, you have to have some justification. The Muslims are complete. The Muslims are completely justified in engaging in war. Completely justified. The ones that have done wrong are the Muslims. They've tortured their own citizens without just without justification. They've only been, you know, وَمَا نَقَمُوا مِنْهُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ الْعَزِيزِ الْحَكِيمِ The only take, the only reason they're taking vengeance from them is because they believe in Allah. That's the only reason they're tortured and 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 persecuted. Murdered, kicked out of their own homes. They have a right to fight back. Any self-respecting nation does, if that's done to it. No nation would take that sitting down. But now that the Muslims have become a nation, they are now in, in, in uh, Medina, these advances start happening. And so we read about these accounts one after the other. The full details of the Battle of Badr, we've already studied. Where? Surah Al-Anfal. That's post-battle commentary. That's post-battle commentary, Surah Al-Anfal, the eighth surah. What we're going to be reading tomorrow is pre-battle commentary in the 47th surah. This is before the battle happens, Muslims are being prepared mentally. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll study this really remarkable surah. And the one after that is one of my favorite, all-time favorite surahs in the Quran, Surah Al-Fatih. I know I say that a lot, but this one like really takes the cake. It's really something. It's, it's something. Just the, just the first few ayat of it, I don't know how we're going to do it tomorrow, but we will, inshallah, somehow, somehow. بارك الله لي ولكم في القرآن الحكيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته